Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone. It's Raja from Melbourne, Australia, and this is episode 13 in this podcast series. And in this episode, we will discuss the all-important tips and tricks to your superannuation. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my previous podcast. If you have any questions, um, send them to me or just comment in the comment section. I will endeavor to get back to you as soon as possible. So let's talk superannuation. What is superannuation? I think it's worthwhile looking at the history of superannuation um, in Australia and how some of the things that we take for granted today have come about. Now, the superannuation system in Australia for the overseas listeners is similar to the American 401k plans, but in Australia, employers must contribute to the employee's superannuation in addition to their wages. It's a fabulous safety net system, so everyone gets the opportunity to save for their retirement, and that happens automatically. And this fits in quite nicely with the concept of automated savings. Essentially, when the employer pays money into your superannuation fund, um, that is a form of automated forced savings, which is outside of your income. We've got one of the largest retirement holdings in the world. Um, As of 2017, we have $2.5 trillion dollars Um, in superannuation funds across the nation, which is the fourth largest in the world. And that is an incredible statistic for a country that just reached its 25th millionth citizen uh, just recently in terms of population. So how did it come about? How did superannuation come about in Australia? Australia never had a compulsory superannuation system. Um, I won't go into the nitty gritties of the history here, but it's important to know what we take for granted now uh, faced a huge resistance movement in the 80s. Now, until 1976, every union movement has its own industrial awards, and super came under us. So you could be different. Um, uh, you could be under a different superannuation scheme based on whichever union that you belong to. But in 1983, it was determined that three percent of a person's income should be contributed as a compulsory contribution by the employer into the employee's superannuation fund. At that time, there was a big resistance, but since then, the contribution has increased to 9.5%. In 1992, the Keating government formalised a widespread superannuation scheme because they recognised as we go into the future, Australia will have more aged pensions persons, therefore, retirement would become a huge expense and a dilemma if it was not enforced. So out of that came the three pillars approach to retirement income in Australia. Pillar 1, compulsory super contributions, which currently stands at 9.5% of a person's gross wage. Pillar 2, allowing employees to contribute further to their super, making it easier and making it more tax efficient. I'll go into this a little bit later in the podcast because it's really important. 
And pillar three, if, if insufficient funds are in your retirement fund, then also having a social safety net, which could be means-tested government-funded age pension. So in other words, you could still have enough super and still qualify for the means-tested government-funded aged pension system in this country. So it's a pretty fair and balanced approach to retirement income and retirement lifestyle in this country. As it stands, the compulsory 9.5% contribution uh, into the super should have been increased to 12% by the 1st of July 2019, but this has been postponed to 2025. Therefore, there'll be an increase of 0.5% per year after 2021, and this was delayed by the Abbott Liberal government. This is a bit disappointing because essentially this just doesn't address the looming retirement crisis in this country. Remember, we have so many baby boomers that are soon entering into their retirement phase. Remember also that superannuation compulsory employer contribution only happens if you're a paid employee, as opposed to running your own business, for example, sole trader business or small business. So if you own a business, it is your responsibility to pay yourself super out of your income that you pay yourself from the business. It gets a bit complicated talking about sole traders or small business owners. So for the purposes of this podcast, I'm always going to be referring to paid employees. There you have it. There's a huge history behind why we have super and how it came about. Things would have been a lot different if we didn't have super in this country. Not all countries have compulsory retirement savings plans. So I think we're fortunate to have this and something today's employees take for granted. Now, Let's talk about how to maximize superannuation and how to make it work for you. To understand this, we need to understand the types of contributions to superannuation. The first type of contribution is called compulsory employer contributions. This is the 9.5% of your gross income without counting overtime that your employer must pay into your superannuation account. But there are two caveats here. Employers are not required to pay super if you're aged under 18 and if you make under $450 a month. The $450 a month rule doesn't apply if you're aged under 18 and work 30 hours or more per week, which begs the question, if you're earning $450 a month and working 30 hours per week, something is seriously wrong, given that we have a pretty high minimum wage in this country, which I think is about $18 per hour. So someone is screwing you big time if you're working 30 hours a week and only earning about $450 a month. Compare this to our US friends where the minimum wage is $750 an hour and they're going bonkers over making it $15 per hour. We truly are the lucky country. We've got minimal things to complain about. Having said that, the 9.5% rule, if you earn a lot of money, usually let's say over $300,000 per year, your employer may have a clause in your contract to state that you're only that they're only required to pay between nineteen and twenty one thousand dollars or max for your super. So be sure be sure to check that clause out. Many companies and public institutions do this. Other institutions, like some universities, pay greater than nine point five percent super. Some universities pay as high as seventeen percent. So although the minimum nine point five percent exists, if you're lucky enough, you might be getting paid more. There is no maximum. And if you're a business paying the super, then this money is tax deductible for you as an expense. Now, contribution type two is called employee contributions. Now, this is a really important concept. So whatever you do, don't turn this podcast off, listen up and pay close attention. There are two main types of employee contributions. 
The first type is called concessional contributions, and the second type is called non-concessional contributions. So pay attention because this will directly affect you. Concessional contributions, so let's use an example of that. Um, and let's say your average Joe, and we've already established in my previous podcast that you earn $75,000 per year. That's your gross income. So your employer pays 9.5% of this income into your super fund, which equates to around $7,000. Now, using rounding off figures here to make things a bit easier. Now, Joe's average tax rate for $75,000 is around 23.11%. Now, Australia have what's called a progressive tax system. So basically, the first $18,000, you pay zero tax. Then up to $37,000, between eighteen dollars and thirty-seven, dollars you pay 19%. Then anything after that, up to $90K, you pay 32.5%. So the average tax rate becomes 23.1% overall. So what Joe can do is that he can say to his employer, please deduct a set amount of money out of his pre-tax dollars, that is salary sacrificing it, because you're sacrificing a portion of your salary for later gains. Let's say he says, please take away $10,000 per year, which equates to about $833 per month, and contribute it to its super. In other words, out of $75,000, you're taking away $10,000, so Joe's new taxable income becomes $65,000, and the $10,000 that's taken away is paid directly into the super, so Joe never sees that money. This is what I also talk about, pay yourself first, but I talk about it from a net income perspective, but I'm just using a similar concept to explain it to you, and this is a gross income perspective. So, Joe now would only have to pay tax on the $65,000, not the entire $75,000. Remember, he's taken the $10,000 and told his employer to pay it into the super fund over 12 months. The advantage now is that Joe has $10,000 of his own money contributed from his pre-tax money plus the original $7,000 contributed from his employer. So the total of $17,000 goes straight into his super. So the tax he would have paid without doing this was going to be around $16,892 because remember he has to pay tax on the whole of $75,000 a year. But now that tax gets reduced because he only pays tax on $65,000. So now the new tax rate that he pays is $13,417. So Joe not only saves $3,475 in addition to having an extra 10K of his own money, in his own super. That's a pretty sweet deal, right? Well, mainly yes, but Joe still has to pay tax on that $10,000 that he has asked his employer to deduct from his pay to contribute to his super, but the tax is only 15%. So when the $10,000 goes straight into the super, 15% of that money goes into the tax magnet's pocket and $8,500 Um, uh, goes straight into the superannuation. So why is that still a saving? Because otherwise, remember, we've established that the average tax rate for Joe was around 23%, but now he's saved that money. So why is it a sweet deal? Well, because every dollar Joe earned after $37,000, he would have paid 32.7% tax, but now he's only paying 15% tax, remember, the $10,000 that goes into the super only gets taxed at 15%. So that's an automatic saving of 17.5%. 
It's an instant saving. In other words, he's just kept 17.5% of his money. Otherwise, he would have had to pay that money to the tax man. That is a powerful concept. And that's why this is called concessional contributions that's employee-based. In other words, the government concedes and they allow you to contribute to your super and they have concessions from a taxation point of view so that you can take advantage of that. However, there are restrictions to this. The government say you can only contribute up to $25,000 in concessional contributions per financial year. So that includes the employer contribution. So in this case with Joe, if the employer already has contributed $7,000, then the maximum Joe can contribute on top of that is $18,000 in pre-tax dollars and nothing more. Now, what's the disadvantage of this? Well, the primary disadvantage of all this is that you can't touch the money that you put into the super in Australia until retirement age. Now, there are some you know, exceptions to the rule. For example, if you have a life-threatening medical condition, etc., you can take money out of the super. But largely in Australia, you cannot touch that money that you put into the super until you reach a maturation age, which in Australia is around 65 years of age, okay? So the bottom line is, if you don't need the money now, then it makes complete sense to make concessional contributions to your superannuation fund and max it out at 25K per year to save tax dollars. The term concessional just means the ATO provides a concessional tax rate when compared to the rate you would have otherwise paid. So why is the government doing this if it loses money? Because remember, Joe would have otherwise paid 32.5% tax, but the government's saying, nah, put it into the super and just pay me 15% tax. Why is the government doing this? Well, they're doing this to ensure that you have enough money in your super and Joe has enough money in his super and retirement nest egg so he doesn't claim the age pension in his retirement. So they aren't doing it because they love you, well they kind of are, but it's a strategy for the government to save money in the long run, making people personally responsible for their retirement and rely less on government welfare as their age. Now, if you have two jobs, both employees are contributing 9.5% employer contributions based on your income towards your super. Then $25,000 cap still applies. In other words, you need to make sure that both of your employers together are not contributing more than 25K because if they do, there are penalties for that. But still the penalties are less than what you would have to pay in taxes. So you need to check up on that. I won't go into detail about it, but most people in Australia who have one job still get paid the 9.5% employer superannuation contribution. Now, what are non-concessional contributions? This just means you pay some of your after-tax money into your super account. You've already paid tax on it, so when you get the money into your bank account, you contribute some of that money towards your super with your after-tax money. There is no taxation that you need to pay on top of already what you've paid. But you can't claim a tax deduction on this contribution. Now remember, in the previous example, when Joe contributed $10,000 of pre-tax dollars towards super, he can then claim a tax deduction and only pay tax on $65,000, not the original $75,000. However, if you do an after-tax contribution, you can't claim that as a tax deduction. So. Um, in this case, um, if Joe wanted to, you know, 
put another $1,000 a month in after-tax dollars towards super, he can't say to the government, well, I'm contributing $12,000 per year extra into my super as an after-tax contribution, that is a a non-concessional contribution, so please can I have uh, a $12,000 tax deduction? No, he can't do that. He can only do the original $10,000 tax deduction that he did contribute as a concessional contribution. So how much non-concessional contribution can you contribute? What is the limit on that? Well, the limit is about $100,000 per annum in after-tax contributions to your super. If you're under the age of 65, though, you can accumulate two more years of this cap. So in other words, you can accumulate $100,000 plus two more years. So that makes a total of $300,000 limit in any one year. Okay, so uh, those are the those are the main types of contributions. We've talked about employer contributions We've talked about employee contributions, and of the employee contributions, there is a concessional contributions, and there is a non-concessional contributions. So, here's a mini summary. We talked about super, and we talked about the types of contributions. It makes complete sense to have concessional contributions to your super if you earn over $37,000 per year, because you save money on your tax bill So why not take advantage of it? Of course, if you need money in your hand right now, rather than when you retire, then it doesn't make sense, but there's a penalty for this, and that is you'd be paying a higher tax, and that is paying extra tax. It all depends on your cash flow situation. But overall, if you're earning more than $37,000 per year, it makes sense. If you don't need the money right now, please contribute to your super as a concessional contribution and max it out at $25,000 per year. It also makes sense to have non-concessional contributions to your super if you don't need the money. Remember, pay yourself first. And this is a concept that I've been going on and on about throughout my podcast right from the get-go. There are limitations. So there are caps of 25K uh, in concessional contributions and $100,000 in non-concessional contributions per financial year. So be sure not to beach them. Otherwise, extra contributions will be part of an accessible income and you will need to pay tax on that. Unfortunately, the government is smart like that. Why does the government allow all of these extra contributions if they lose tax on the tax revenue? Well, they want to make sure you fund your own way to retirement and not rely on the means-tested aged pension system later on. They're doing it because it benefits them too. It's really important also to understand the terms concessional and non-concessional contributions and not get mixed up with employer contributions. Employer contributions are completely different um, in the sense that they're always concessional, but on top of that, you can add more concessional contributions and you can add more non-concessional contributions. Now, let's talk about some of the other tips and tricks, uh, which are basically, um, you know, another summary of which you should definitely consider when it comes to maximizing superannuation. Number one, Consolidate your super accounts. 15 million Australians have super accounts and a whopping 43% of more than one account. This means multiple account fees. Why? Why waste money? I've talked about fees before. It just irks me that people are having to pay fees more than they need to pay for the same outcome. It doesn't make sense. 18% have more than two accounts. 18% of the 15 million Australians that have super accounts have Two accounts, which is even crazier. And one of the main reasons why this happens is that your employer might have a preferred super fund. 
And when you change employers, they might create another account with their own preferred super fund. And you've got a super fund from your previous employer. And this is how multiple accounts are created. So the law is when you change employers, the employer must give you the option to use your existing super fund. And what I normally do is I put down my existing super fund so that the employer is well aware and they don't unnecessarily create another account for me with their own preferred superannuation fund. The ATO offers a find my super form um, or you can find lost super through your MyGov account. It's really important to consolidate your super so you don't have fees eating up your money over the long term. For example, my super company tells me oh, I have lost super, so I'm with Hester. So when I log into my Hester account, it basically, uh, with one click, it actually tells me oh, I've actually got super somewhere else um, and I can consolidate it with a simple click. It's as easy as that. And I think most industry super funds should have that. Understand the fees you pay. Again, I've gone on and on about fees in my previous podcast, but the bottom line is fees are eating your retirement nest egg. So understand them. Check your super account to see how much fees have been taken out. And generally speaking, industry super funds have lower fees than retail super funds. And you can Google which funds are industry super funds to find out more. I'm sure you've seen the famous Aussie ad that's been around for years and years and years where this guy comes up and he says um, industry super funds are, um, uh, are really important. And there's a nice little jingle to go with that, which I uh, can't exactly remember now, but um, but uh, if you Google it, you'll find it uh, on uh, on the internet. Choose your investment option. So it makes sense to pay attention to where your super money is invested. Now, this means logging into your super account online. Um, almost all super accounts have online accounts. If your super account doesn't have an online account, I'd be a bit worried. If not, get one, contact your super company, tell them to tell you where your money is going. Um, so if you have an online account, click on the investments uh, that's being invested in. And of course, this depends on your risk profile. So you'd be amazed and surprised how diversified your investments may be. For example, I invest in a range of stocks, shares domestically and internationally. I keep a small amount in cash. I also have other asset classes that I invest in like property and commodities, et cetera, et cetera. I'm relatively young, so I can take the risk with stocks. The bottom line is don't just keep your super in an account and not know where your money is being invested in. It's your money. You've worked hard for it. In other words, if you were to go out and buy a car, I'm sure you'd be researching it for the better part of a year. So why don't you do the same with thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of your own money sitting in your super account right now? You see, Australians have taken advantage and taken super for granted. Just look at the US if you want to learn a lesson. If you want to know how dire some of their situation is, some employers don't even need to contribute to super. And even if they do, they match the employee's contributions. So if you don't put anything in, you get nothing. So again, we're very lucky. So take advantage of it. Personal insurance. I've done a whole podcast about this, but most superannuation companies and accounts have a built-in insurance scheme for death, income protection, or TPD. It doesn't usually cover trauma or critical illness, so make sure you review your personal insurance. But there's a catch. The thing about super personal insurance, especially benefits like life and death, is when you die, the benefit is paid to the super account you need to have nominated a binding beneficiary for them to access the money. Otherwise, the money needs to be accessed by the super. In other words, it goes to the super person and they have to distribute it to the beneficiary. If you have a life insurance scheme outside of super, then the beneficiary can directly access that money. Why is that important? 
Well, if you have super that has your money after you die, then for your beneficiary to access that money can be a long-winded and tricky process sometimes, sometimes can take a few weeks, sometimes a few months. If you have a life insurance scheme outside of super, then that process is generally a lot Look uh, uh, a lot quicker. So having life insurance in super, look, having life insurance in general is very good. Having it in super, I have nothing against it, but be aware that it can be a bit of a pain in the ass, especially if they need the money quickly. Now, um, if you have insurance outside of your super, it's generally easier to access. So you need to be aware of this when it comes to insurance via super. Lastly, and I hope I'm not drumming it in, maximize your concessional and non-concessional contributions, which means you need to understand what does concessional and non-concessional contributions mean? I've extensively talked about this in this podcast, uh, and it's really, really, really important. So I hope this has been a useful summary of superannuation. And for your overseas listeners, uh, I'm sure you've got significant envy for us Australians because we have a pretty good superannuation system when compared to some of the other countries. And I hope you've learned how to maximize contributions and save on tax money. There are pros and cons to each type of contribution, so be aware that nothing is perfect in this life. And make sure you check your super is an industry-recommended super fund. And try and stay clear of retail super funds if you can, and especially those run by banks. The fees are usually higher, and the performance is usually worse. Check your asset allocation with super. In fact, in your life, check your asset allocation. That's the key strategy here. Now, be sure to comment or contact me if you have any questions. Happy to take topic requests. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Until next time, pay attention to your super, grow your next egg, and pay yourself first. Thanks for listening. This is Raja from Melbourne. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.